just wanna be close to your heart. This is where my healing fibers are. Here is where I find my
everyone. Let's stand and we'll start worship together. We're glad to see you here this morning.
Good morning. They didn't give me a mic, so I had to go find one. How are you guys this morning? Welcome to Woodland Park Church of Nazarene. And we are just so excited. You decided to join us on this amazing, beautiful Colorado morning. Um, and we're just so glad to be here. I'm Pastor Michelle. And Dell and I are just been enjoying the summer here. And now we're dipping into fall. And we're just excited to be a part. And we're kind of new still, too. And so we hope that today, if you're new, if this is your first time, that you feel welcome. And we especially just want to reach out and just say welcome for being our guest here today. And we do have cards that you got handed possibly as you came in, along with a bunch of announcements that I hope you'll pay attention to. But here's the thing. We have a new way for you to be able to connect with us, and it's a QR code. So you can actually try. I don't know if it'll work from up here with your phone. You guys know how to do QR codes? You take your phone, put it on where you take a photo, and you just shine it up there. You don't actually take the photo. You just put it up. You hold it, and it takes you to what's called a landing page where you can get connected really quickly to our Connect card, make prayer requests. We will have registrations eventually there. Um, right now we have our small group registration there. So you can register now right there, and then we'll be soon coming a digital bulletin. <clears throat> so... It's not that we're getting rid of completely. Those of you that like to hold a piece of paper, it's okay. We'll still have some paper for you. Don't freak out. It'll be out there. However, digital is really the way to go because then you can get it anytime. And you won't have to be wondering. And we will have less paper, and that's better for the environment, right? That's good. So small groups, I talked about registration. You need to register, you guys. Small groups are starting up. We have a couple of them this week starting, and the next week another one starts, and it's kind of beginning to roll out these next few weeks. We need you to register because we want to be prepared for you. And some of the classes have um, information. Some of them have different timings, stuff going on, so that you know what's going on and that we can prepare for you. Please, please register. If you have questions, um, I'm going to be out there um, just taking any kind of questions that you have about how to use um, our breeze that we kicked off, how to use the QR code, how to register or anything, please come see me right after church. So right after church, speaking of, we have a mission trip coming up in October. It happens to be a weekend that Dell and I are going to a wedding, but there's a mission trip short term for a weekend coming up for a great opportunity for you to do a mission trip to Denver. The meeting is right for church. I don't know where it is, right out here in the cafe. So if you're just interested, want to find out information, right after church, go over there. You'll be able to get that information. It'll be a great opportunity for you to be a part of a mission trip. And then we are going to just continue our service with our tithes and offerings. And I just want to bring you up to date. As you know, the last month or so, we have had this challenge um, with someone who has given some money to us anonymously and is challenge the congregation to match it. So 50000 they'll match up to 50000 as you give. We are 30% of that goal, and so we're super excited <clears throat> about that and about how God is using you and speaking to you about giving above and beyond your tithes and offerings. Um, and that um, the ending of that is coming up in about a month. And so as you pray, as you think about, God, how do you want me to give above and beyond we just ask that you just do that, and you just find out where God has you. I was so impressed with a young lady in our church who actually went out in her neighborhood, and she just asked. And she came back with $50 in her hand and wanted to give for matching funds. 
Now, if that does not inspire you, I, yes, and LJ is a young lady. I don't think she'll mind if I say she might be in the nursery helping. I know she helps a lot, but she just felt compelled, and I just thought, you know, $50, you know, for me, I'm thinking, uh, that's probably all that maybe right now I could give or maybe you could give, but the thing is God takes our gifts, and he does the miracle work, right? He takes what we have if we're willing to just give, whatever it is, and he does the miracle. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of a church that believes in that, aren't you? And about our, our hearts of our young people that want to give. And so we're just going to pray this morning as our ushers here are going to receive your tithes and offerings and just be thankful for his gifts to us today. Father God, you are amazing. You're incredible, and you deserve all of our praise and our worship this morning, just in these few moments that we've had already together since your presence. God, I just pray for each person here in this room that you would just go, you would just be with. You already are there, God. Sometimes we just don't recognize it. We are so busy, God, that we forget to just take time to be still and hear from you. So, God, this morning, speak to us. And as these offering plates go by, God, whether we give today or sometime down the future, I pray that whatever our hearts, you're speaking to our hearts, that we are obedient in our gifting. And that we will trust you with all of our lives, with all of our money, with everything that we have, God. And we will always give you the praise that you deserve. And then I pray, amen.
joy come every van Cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy come every van Cause I know that's where you'll be Good. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God all my life.
to love on him. He's so good. He does so much for us. It's prayer night this week. We were able to sing that song and we gave testimony to what God's done in our lives that's been good. And it was amazing to hear them. So many people shared. And you think God's not moving. He is moving. He is moving. Just look around. Ask people, what's God doing in your life. Spark it. Ask them. Because he's moving. And we have a church full of testimony here. And we want to make sure that we give him all the glory and we recognize it. Because we ask him, don't forget to thank him. Right? We've got a new song we're going to teach you guys this morning. It's about being grateful. I bet a lot of you gratitude. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. I hear some laughing. There's some happy people here. It's so good to sing of his goodness and to be thankful for what he's done. So we're going to teach it to you. Just sing along. It's easy. You can pick it up quick. But if anything, just let it soak in you. And just let your heart sing to him you don't know the melody line, that's okay. Just let your heart cry out because he is so good. So I'll throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a heart. 
on my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of us. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of us. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy of me. Lift up your soul. Cause you've got a lion inside of us. Get up and praise the All that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for me, except for a heart singing hallelujah. love you, Lord. We don't have anything that is fit for our King. 
But Lord, we do give you our hallelujahs. We give you our praise. We thank you for what you're doing in lives here that surround us, Jesus. We're sitting next to miracles that you're performing. Lord, I thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for waiting for us as we walked in the door with a big, huge smile on your face for each face that came in here. Lord, you have a plan and a purpose that you're accomplishing this morning in our lives, in this service, through Pastor Dale's message. And then when we walk out the doors, Jesus, that plan needs to be executed. It needs to be worked in our community. So Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to step out into the unknown. Help us to love one another the way that we need to, even if they're a stranger. Lord, I think of LJ and how scary it must have been for her to walk up to doors of strangers and ask them to give to our church. Help us to be bold like that, Jesus. Help us to have the faith of a child because that's what we need. Lord, I thank you for being a God that cares about each detail in every single person's life. Just in this room alone is huge, but it's worldwide. And you are a God that is huge and big and you hold the world in your hands. So nothing is too much for you and we praise you for that. Lord, I pray that our time of worship this morning and song and giving and learning will be pleasing to you. I pray that you will just swirl around us. Holy Spirit, come. Even further in, we welcome you. And we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do, Lord. You are so, so good. And we praise your holy name. And we thank you. And we give you the rest of this morning in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. reading the Bible, I was reading the Bible, found out, uh, found out Jesus had a little brother, anybody know his name? James, when I read that, I was like, how much pressure was that? <laughs> Jesus, your big brother? How many times do you have to hear, why come you can't be more like Jesus, James? Because <laughs> you know, everybody probably thought that James could do the same thing Jesus could do, but he couldn't, he was just James. He wasn't James Christ. <laughs> Remember the wedding banquet? Jesus turned water to wine. Everybody was amazed, but they don't tell you about the next banquet. 
Jesus left early, they started running out of wine. Everybody looked at James. <laughs> it's like, man, last time this happened, your brother made some wine, dude. You, you just gonna stand there with your sandals on? You're not gonna... <laughs> Can you make some Kool-Aid or something, man? You're not gonna do anything? <sighs> well, good morning, everybody. I, I, I do have another... Um, I do have another video that I cut for that, but we got mixed up for whatever reason, so that will be shown next weekend. So if you're thinking, oh, do I have to hear that same comedy bit every Sunday? The answer is no. So uh, good to have you in church this morning. Everybody doing okay? Um, I know that, that um, the mission team, um, if you're interested in the mission and going on the 52 mis- 5080 mission, you're going to meet in the cafe. If you're a small group leader, can I have your attention for like five minutes right after the service in my office? I'm going to teach you how to do attendance for, for, for small groups. And if you'll just catch me real quick after the service, I'll make sure that you get to the 5280 meeting if you want to do both. Um, and then finally, I was reminded um, we are starting small groups. And if you aren't in one, you should get in one. And, and if you don't want to get in a small group, maybe you can help a small group out. We have a young family small group that is in need of child care. On Wednesday nights and so if you could help out that would be awesome um, if they take you hostage we'll pay for the ransom we'll get you out but uh, but we do need we do need your help so if you could see um, Shelby Shelby would you ra- wave your hand for me she's right down there up front she could certainly use um, they could use your help this 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 semester for one Wednesday night during the semester and that would be awesome all right well um, I need to tell you a story about me that it's it's a little embarrassing but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. Um, I was dating this beautiful woman. At, she was a young woman um, at the time, and um, she's here with us this morning. She's my wife. But um, I was dating. I was dating this girl, and I don't know what happened. Um, I think I was just trying to impress her. Uh, is really what what it came out to be. But um, we were in college. And um, I owned a motorcycle, but I didn't bring it to I didn't bring it to school. I left it at home. Um, but my friend brought his to, <laughs> to school. You can see where this is going. So um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ride. And so it was a, it was a Honda um, 750 Custom, I think, something. And uh, I just wanted, I wanted to ride. I wanted to take Michelle for a ride. And so in, in Ohio, we have long stretches of, of, of two-lane highway that you can just open up on it. And um, so, I, you know, it's, it's at night. And uh, I said, hey baby, you want to take a ride with me? And she's like, okay, you know, and, and so um, she did not grow up riding motorcycles, but she, for whatever reason, she thought that she wanted to impress me, and so she said, yes, I'll go with you, and so we, we went for a motorcycle ride, and um, in between Mount Vernon, Ohio, um, and Gambier, Ohio, is, is just this long stretch of pavement, and I wanted to go fast, and so I did. I got after it, and uh, the bike just settled down in, and, and it wasn't a big bike, but it, it held its own pretty good, and I'm, I'm screaming. Now, listen, here's where you're going to think I'm an idiot comes from. So I didn't have a helmet on, and neither did Michelle, <coughs> and to make matters worse, I didn't have any glasses on either. And so in that time of the year in Ohio, there are massive bugs, at least I, I, I fear that they were this big. They were probably only this big, but if you got hit with one, you're probably toast. Well, that thought did not occur to me. As I am flying down this highway, I look down at the, at the speedometer. We're, we're clocking along probably 107 mile an hour. 
And then the thought, the thought finally did hit me. This is not wise, Dale. This is not wise. And so I got off, I got off the gas and we got down to a, to a, a safer speed. And, you know, there were tears flowing out of my face because of the wind. And, and I thought, boy, what an idiot I was. I could have killed me and this beautiful woman. And, and then her dad would have come and killed me again. I mean, I'd, so I'd, it, was just, it was just not a very wise thing for me to do. Are you wise? Do you make wise decisions? I mean, on, on generally speaking, what do you think as a people? Are we wise in the way that we exist as a species? Do we make wise decisions? Last, last weekend, we, we talked about um, joy. Uh, we're in this series called um, Jesus' Kid, Little, Little, Jesus Courage, Little Brother. And um, last week, we talked about James discussing with us the idea of having joy. This weekend, we're going to talk about something different that, that may be a little bit uh, as challenging to achieve, and that is wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Uh, what is wisdom? Why do we need it? Where does it come from? What do we do with it if we get it? There are lots and lots of questions about this thing called wisdom. And so to jumpstart this for you, I never want to stick you in a position where you don't know what you're doing. I found some, some wisdom for you. Can I give you some wisdom? Thank you for that permission. Here you go. Here's some wisdom from the corporate world. Um, I can only please one person per day. Today is not your day. Tomorrow's not looking good either. You can use that. Um, except that some days you're the pigeon and some days you're the statue. That's just some wisdom for you going forward. How about some military wisdom? Do we have military veterans here? Just a handful? All right, here we go. If the enemy is in range, so are you. You can use that. Um, if your attack is going too well, you're running into an ambush. <laughs> if you see a bomb technician running, follow him. All right? These aren't going to get any better, so you better just start laughing now. How about words of wisdom from a seven-year-old? You ready? Uh, a first-grade teacher collected some well-known proverbs and gave each child in her class the first half of a proverb and then asked them to come up with the other, the other one. So let's see if, this, if I can get this thing working. Is this working? It's not working. Uh, so would you, would you click that, that for me? Here's the first one. Um, if you lie down with dogs, go ahead. You'll stink in the morning. This is wisdom from seven-year-olds. Are you ready? It's always, it's always darkest before... Next one, daylight savings time. You see, you like these more than the other ones? It must be the kid thing. All right. Two's company, three's the musketeers. I'm going to start selling T-shirts. This is great. All right. La last one from the kids. Children, sh children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. Of course. Of course. Wisdom from kids. Uh, last couple general wisdom for living. Here you go. If you think there is good in everybody, you haven't met everybody. And the older that you get, the tougher it is to lose weight because by then your body and your fat are really good friends. So you can take that to the wisdom bank. There's some wisdom for you. Let me tell you, what, but let me, let me tell you a little bit about what wisdom isn't. Wisdom isn't the accumulation of information or the intellectual perception of that knowledge, although that's exactly what everybody seems to chase after. 
When it comes to wisdom, everybody wants to run to gathering information, but that's not wisdom. There was a, uh, an American architect, Buckminster Fuller was his name. He was an architect, a systems theorist, a writer, designer, inventor, philosopher, futurist. And he created a, a theory called the knowledge doubling curve. Knowledge doubling curve. And so um, his theory states that up until the year 1900, that human knowledge approximately doubled every century. So from zero to, well, before B.C. up till 1900, his theory was that knowledge doubled or approximately doubled every century, every hundred years. Just 50 years after that, by 1950, human knowledge doubled every 25 years. Buckminster died in 1983, but his theory continues, and by 2000, human knowledge would double almost every year. And according to a, 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 an article in LinkedIn, this author's name is Amitabh Ray, back a couple of years ago, 2020, he wrote this. He said, the volume of knowledge is doubling every 12 hours. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of things for you and I to, to take into, into account. It's a lot of things that we chase after. Knowledge. Here's what I think. We, we have an insatiable appetite for knowledge because there's something missing. But it's not knowledge that we're missing. And the truth of the matter is, is that we have a desperate need for wisdom that's disguised as a need for more knowledge. You see, life creates this need for wisdom. And our response is a craving for knowledge, which keeps us in this constant cycle of lacking wisdom. Because knowledge will not satisfy the need for wisdom. Because wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to use the knowledge that you have well. For example, I, I, brought, a, I brought a quote. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in the salad. Or a fruit salad. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. If only our biggest problem was what to do with more tomatoes, right? But that's not our biggest problem. The reality is that in our life we have big issues that require more than just information, more than just more intel, more education, more knowledge. We need something else. We need something that will help us use the knowledge that we have. But an even bigger, more significant need is, is actually present. And that's because everything is spiritual. We need a wisdom that goes beyond just human wisdom. We need something that comes from outside. We need wisdom from God. So how do we get that? Last week we started a journey with, with Jesus' courageous little brother and he spoke into this idea of joy. Let's see if James has something that we can talk about when it comes to wisdom. And let's just begin where we started off last week, James 1, 1. This is what he says to the church. This is what he says to you and me, brothers and sisters. When troubles come your way, when trials, when temptations, when difficulty, when challenge comes to you, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, when you know when difficult times come, you, you know that when things are coming your way, your endurance 
is given a chance to grow. The implication there is if you don't have difficult things, you will not have an opportunity to expand your endurance. And so, let your endurance grow. Because when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. You will be mature, needing nothing. And then James jumps right into verse 5. And he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And I, I thought, as I go, go back one to, for me, Lisa, you're right a little bit ahead of me there. I, th- I thought as I was going through the, the work of putting this, this together this, this weekend, or this past week for this weekend, I, it, it startled me that, that Jesus is teaching, and James picked up on this idea that when you have difficulties, consider it joy. And the very next thing that, that he says is, if you, uh, if you need wisdom, ask God. Could it be, maybe, could it be that temptations and troubles and struggle in our life are actually opportunities for us to become wise? Could it be that the, that the challenges that you're facing in this life is not just to give you a hard time and make you tough? Maybe it's an opportunity for God to give you the ability to have wisdom. You'll notice that James doesn't um, tell us to ask for wisdom. Or he, he, asks us, he tells us to ask for wisdom, not for asking a way out. James doesn't say, if, you, if you've got problems, ask for a way out. He says, no, <laughs> you've got issues, you need wisdom. Ask God. And here's why, rest of, rest of verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. Not only does he give it to you, but... He gives it to you willingly. He will not rebuke you for asking. That word rebuke actually is, is a, a frame of or a shape of the word reproach. That God will give you wisdom without looking upon you at, with disapproval. I, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you had terrific parents, but some people had moms or dads who when they asked for, for something, they would look down their nose at them. Why, can't, why don't you know this yet? That's not God. God gives without disapproval. I'm not sure about you. I I do love the Bible and I do love God's word, but there are some verses that I, those are not my favorite. This happens to be one of my not favorite verses. And and the reason for that is um, because I don't want to ask for anything. I don't like to ask. I don't want to have to ask for things because my inclination is to live in a false reality where I can figure things out for myself. Notice the word false, reality. I want to live, uh, you know, in this, in this fantasy world where I, know how to, I, where I know how to figure things out myself, but the truth is I don't know how to figure most things out for myself. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to, how to fix things. I need help, but I don't like to ask for help. Do you know why I don't like to ask for help? Because I'm afraid to. Because when I ask for help, it exposes my, my weakness. And I wish that I didn't have to admit that to you, but it's true. The only, the only good thing about this would be that chances are you're the same way. We, we share that and alike. You're afraid too. And instead of using it as a strength to grow, we allow that fear to cripple us. And we actually end up becoming afraid of fear. 
Back in 1932, I wasn't around, but I have good evidence that this actually took place. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, um, in a speech that he gave, said the only thing that there is to fear is fear itself. But after I thought about that, I've I've done a little bit of, of, of thinking, and I'm not so sure that he's completely correct on that. I mean, it looks good on paper. And, and, and it plays really good in political speeches and encouraging first-time high-dive jumpers. But, but when it's all said and done, fear is actually a positive thing if you're trying to become wise. After all, wisdom has to come from somewhere. And we know that it comes from God. There were two writers in the wisdom books of your Bible in Psalms, the, right, the writer writes it this way, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. If you go to, if you go to Proverbs, the next one there, Lisa, Proverbs 9.10 says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Almost the same wording. So I have to be afraid of God? So I have to be afraid of God? See, this just happens to be one of the sticks that people who don't love Jesus hit the people who do love Jesus with. They'll say things like, well, why would I want a religion where I have to be afraid of its God? Or, or God doesn't really love you if you have to be afraid of him. And I've heard those stories and probably a hundred more, and, and you probably have too, but I, I've, I've come to not really let those bother me any longer. See, the reality is that a healthy fear of something is what keeps its importance to me. I, uh, I, I hold my freedom as an important thing for me. I, I like my freedom. That's probably why if I didn't care about my freedom, I wouldn't be concerned about driving 75 in a 25-mile-per-hour zone and getting thrown in prison because I love my freedom. My fear of going to jail keeps me, keeps it important. I, I, my skin is important to me. It's probably important to you too. My skin is so important that if I didn't care about the condition of my skin, I wouldn't be uneasy about whether or not I put my hand on a hot stove. It's important to me, therefore it keeps me from doing those kinds of things. I, I love my wife. I love Michelle. She's important to me. I want to make sure that she's a high priority in my life. If I didn't care about that relationship, I wouldn't be apprehensive about causing damage to it. The fear of losing her is what keeps it important to me. I'm committed to make sure it's the best that that it can be. See, when the Bible mentions fearing God, we just need to make sure that we understand what that really means. John Mallon said it this way, the fear, in the fear of God, is often misinterpreted as servile fear. Survival fear is the fear of getting in trouble. You're going to get caught. You're going to get in trouble some way. It's servile fear. But when, it, when, when, when the fear of, of God is, is what we're looking for, it should be understood as filial fear. That is the fear of offending somebody whom one loves. Big difference between the two. Did you catch it? We're not called to servile fear of the Lord. We're called to filial fear. You get the difference, right? Big difference between the two. God does expect us to fear him, but not just because it's the beginning of wisdom, but because it's foundational for a healthy relationship. And without it, our relationship with God gets kind of soft and it gets kind of squishy. And soft and squishy sounds good if you're talking about an ice cream cone from Dairy Queen. 
but not so much as a character trait. Or for those of you who, who are Jesus followers, soft and squishy is not a way that you want people to describe your commitment to Christ. Boy, brother so-and-so, man, he just his relationship with God is really soft and squishy. That doesn't sound good at all. One of the Old Testament's greatest heroes wasn't commended for his amazing bravery or his amazing courage or even his warrior skills. He was commended for something else altogether. And if you, if you flip through your Bible all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapters 11 through 22 or 23, it talks about this man named Abram who turned to Abraham. And God called him to leave his family and go and become a nation that God would create for himself and, for, and that would bless the entire world. And he promised him a son. God promised Abraham a son. And years and years and years and years and years went by and no son. And Abraham got nervous but God provided, and then he immediately said, Abraham, now that I've given you a son, I, I, I need you to give him back to me. I need you to, to sacrifice him to me. Can you imagine? And Abraham went through with it. And in Genesis twenty-two twelve, after he had gone through that process of, of, of showing that he would give God everything that was important to him, don't lay a hand on my boy, came a a voice from beyond. It was an angel. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you really do fear God. You really do love God. There was another great story in the Old Testament that came after the Abraham story. It came by way of a man named Moses. Moses, um, as you probably know, um, was elected to become the man who would lead the Israelites out of captivity and when he did that, he was, God was setting up a, a nation for himself. And he needed to, to, to raise up additional leaders so that the nation of Israel could, could function properly. And ends up that the fear of God was a prerequisite for leadership there in Exodus 18, 21. It's telling Moses, select from all the people some capable, honest men who, what, are good accountants? Who are super strong? Who are really funny? No. Fine, honest, capable men who fear God, who hate bribes, and appoint them as your leaders. Why? Because fear is the beginning of wisdom. If we go to the New Testament, even Jesus got on the bandwagon as he was sending out the disciples on a short-term evangelism trip. And this is what Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can't touch your soul. If I were you, I would fear only God who has control over all and who can destroy both body and soul in, in hell. It was Robert B. Strimple who said this when writing about our, our approach or our way to God. He said, there is the convergence of awe and reverence and adoration and honor and worship and confidence and thankfulness and love and, yes, even fear. Fear is an important component in our relationship with God. How do we keep from becoming soft and squishy Jesus followers? Fear God. Make it important. Not because of his anger, but because of his awesomeness. And then how do we gain wisdom? Well, ask God for it. Make sure that you ask God for it. 
James, the courageous little brother of Jesus, said that your life is going to be full of trouble. We talked about that last week. It's going to have temptation. It's going to have difficulty. It's going to have struggle and anxiety and, and tough times. Don't spoil the opportunity by wishing you were somewhere else or someone else. Consider it joy. And when you're ready to go on the offensive, when you're ready to, to stop being a victim and to actually gain something from that rough patch, from your trials and your temptations, when you're ready to learn and move forward, James says, ask God for wisdom. And he'll give it to you. And how he does it. It's so amazing. And I know a lot of you have probably experienced this over the years. And maybe if you're just now learning how to walk with Jesus, this is so very key. This is how God gives wisdom to those who are chasing after, after himself. Number one is revelation from his word. But it doesn't, it doesn't just kind of pop out of there and stick it in your brain. You, you, you have to actually engage. You have to read God's word. You have to put yourself in a place where you're actually taking in the word of God. You have to pick it up and read it. There's a second way that God will give you wisdom as you ask him for it. That's others who have wisdom. You know who those people are. You've probably watched their life. You've seen them in all kinds of experiences and noticed that they are consistent in, in difficult times and in easy times and in good and in bad, and you know who has wisdom. But that means that you have to put yourself in proximity to them. It means that you have to be willing to maybe humble yourself a little bit and say, hey, can you pour into my life? Can you share something with me? It may be as simple as joining into a small group and hearing another voice, one who you trust, one who has wisdom. There's a third way then that God gives wisdom. I call it the direct deposit. It gives it from the Holy Spirit himself. But God doesn't give that to you just, just you know, any old way. You have to engage in conversation with God. You have to have an active prayer life. And we'll talk more about that next weekend. James jumps right off of this idea of gaining wisdom right into connecting with God. So I have three quick questions that I want to ask you, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go. What what could happen in your life if you realized how, maybe, maybe how, much, how much pressure could you unleash off your shoulders if you changed the win in your life from being the smartest in the room to becoming the wisest? What if instead of grabbing and grasping for information all the time from, your, from, from wherever, that you just sat in a quiet and said, God, can you help me interpret some of this information that I have? Can you, can, you, can you help pour into me some wisdom on how to deal with my boss who I don't love very much or my next door neighbor that just irritates me? God, can you give me some wisdom on how to navigate this financial disaster that I've made of my life instead of going to Dave Ramsey, who's a very smart man, or whoever else? What, what if? How much pressure could be taken off your shoulders if you changed your win from being the smartest one in the room to the wisest? How, how about this? What, what could your life, what would your life look like if you asked God for wisdom instead of Google? 
we have an insatiable craving to know more things. What happens if you just pause that for a while? Say, God, how, can, you, can you just pour into me? The third question, what could God do? What could God do if the church didn't have to have all the world's questions answered correctly, but instead correctly questioned all the world's answers? What could happen if we didn't have to have an answer for all the world's questions, but instead had all the right answers or all the right questions for their answers? What could happen? See, there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. So where do you go for your wisdom? We, we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about, about James, this courageous little brother of Jesus, but, but really the, the hero of the story isn't James. It's, it's Jesus. And if you've not ever crossed the line of faith into the Christ, into Jesus, the Messiah, could I challenge you this morning to maybe Consider that seriously. This chase after wisdom is meaningless if all you have is this life. But the truth of the matter is, there is another life after this life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. There is only one way. It's to accept Christ for who he said he was, the Savior of the world. And I, and I know that's not easy for some people. You have maybe spent your entire life trying to disprove it or at least just deny it strongly. Can I just appeal to you this morning before we, before we go? Would you be open to trying? This search, craving, desire for knowledge, would you just put that on pause for a moment and say, God, I don't, I don't know. I know or if I even believe all this stuff that we keep talking about or hearing about at church but but if you say you are if you are who you say you are then I'll trust you and maybe it's just for today and I promise you God will give you what you need today and then tomorrow when you ask him he'll give it to you again and then the day after that and the day after that I, I, and you know why I know that you're talking to a guy has benefited greatly from doing that every single day. God, would you be the Lord of my life? One day I'll, I'll share with you my testimony about who I used to be and how God has changed me. But for now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm, I want to pray before we get um, ready to go. If, if you've never thought to accepting this Christ, Believing on him to be who he has, says he is, the, the solution to our sin problem. Maybe now is the time. And it's super simple. It's just as simple as believing, confessing that you are a sinner, that, that you need a Savior, and, and he promises to flood your life with light. And he'll change everything. And for those of you who have been on a path with Christ all these years and you've been through the process and sanctification and, and God has, has, has done a work in your life and you've come to the place where you're just struggling for wisdom, 
He promises to give you wisdom if you ask. Let's stop relying on our own knowledge and our own interpretation of it and allow him to change that into to something that we can use to advance his kingdom. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning and for the opportunity that we've had to gather in your name and sing and laugh and give and hear the washing of your word, to be together and share one another's burdens, the good, the good parts of our week and, and the maybe not so good parts. God, there are those here who have made their way to church this morning that are, that are riding pretty good. Life is good. There's money in the bank and the kids are doing well and the grandkids are awesome and I love my life and things are going good. And no doubt, there are people on the far end of the other spectrum who things are, are not so good. There's, just, there's, there's barely enough. And it's, it's affecting my family. It's affecting my future and, and I'm running out of hope. And God, in the middle of all of that, you stand with your arms wide open, ready to hear us and receive us with no reproach and promising to give us not only life and life more abundant and life on the other side of this life, but you promise to give us wisdom if we'll ask. And so God, today, would you give us wisdom? And maybe for some, Lord, that first step of wisdom is to ask you to forgive them of their sin as a sinner. Would you make it so today? Flood those lives with your light. For those, oh God, who have been walking with you for a long time, would you move them? Would you help them to to mature another step as we all do our very best to serve you and to advance your kingdom work here in this little part of our world, Woodland Park and beyond? Help us to constantly be looking to you to change us and transform us and make us more into the character of your son. And help us to do so with your wisdom. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Would you stand with me as we get ready to go? There will be people up here near these pieces of furniture called altars. If you need prayer, they are happy to pray with you. I've told the congregation a couple weeks now, if you lack faith, you can borrow some of theirs. They'll be happy to pray for you today for, for whatever you're dealing with. But as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his face and his countenance upon you and give you what nothing else in this world can give you, his peace that passes all of our understanding. And now go and be blessed and be a blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.
take rest Cause the living God is living in my chest Every day I wake up feeling blessed And even if I don't, I see it as a test <laughs> Cause I was lost until you found me Salvation of the world unfolding. Behold him, behold him. Lift up your eyes, see the sun of heaven. Hosanna, Hosanna. Pour out your praise, sing the name of Jesus. 
Savior's name.